I had these two parallel interests, magic and puzzles, and it actually wasn't until later in life that I realized that I could fuse them together and cross-pollinate them and create a new type of performance, a new type of magic show in which I say, all magic tricks are puzzles. See if you can figure them out. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to At Home with Linda and Drew, a magical place where we chat with artists, experts, dreamers, and doers about what makes us feel most at home. Mm. Home is a magical place. I'm trying to think of the most magical spot my chest. I find. Can you sleep on my chest? Oh, wow. Linda lays on my <laughs> chest and she is out cold. That is magical. Yeah, I think you lace it with something. No, I'm wearing lace. <laughs> it's just so sexy. It feels like home. Ah, uh, this is at home. All right, we're doing this, Linda. We are getting this thing done this what? week. The jigsaw Everything? puzzle. No, we have been working. Oh. So we, you know, we've been a little bit busy, but we started this jigsaw puzzle. What, like six months ago? Yeah. What is time? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a it's an old puzzle. I think it's actually from the nineties or something like that. But it's of the Budapest Hotel. The nineties? Wasn't it? When did the movie come when out? When did the movie come out? Maybe it was early two thousands. Wow. I don't know. Making it's older. Up, making but <laughs> uh, anyway, we have not finished it. We're about seventy two percent there. The pieces are so tiny. It's one of those puzzles where pieces will fit in multiple spots and that kind yeah. of bugs me. But it, it has, it's got us back pretty. in a very puzzly mood, problem solving mood. Yes. And I mean, you, you puzzle every night. With my scrabble. mom. I scrabble with, with Jonathan and my mom. And we play Rummy Cube pretty much every yeah. day. Yeah. If you haven't played Rummy Cube, it's oh my also gosh, a fun I game. lost to Drew horribly the other night. I had two of the wild cards and I didn't realize yeah. you only had like six cards left. And I went out and she was busted with 120 points in her pocket. Oh, it sucks to be you. <laughs> and crosswords. That's something my mom and I used to do. Yeah. When, we were, when we were you know, in the same house, I remember sitting with my mom trying to do crosswords. Her vocab is a lot better than mine. Just like yours is better than mine. I need to expand it. Expand. Expand. That'd be a good Lexicon. word for Scrabble. Um, so our guest this week, actually, this is all in line with talking about puzzles and talking about magic because he is a wonderful combination of magical puzzles. Yeah. Our <laughs> guest shares two of my nerdy obsessions. He's a magician and he's a puzzler. And he's a writer and producer and just all around awesome person. You know, you're good with puzzles when you've been asked to contribute to doing crossword puzzles in the New York Times. Yes. Yeah. Also, our guest David Kwong has written a book, Spellbound, and it's The Seven Principles of Illusions. What's really interesting is how he relates what he does as a magician to how we interact every day with other people and that there are illusions and misdirection in real life. Mm -hmm. um, what else? He's, he's been a producer and consultant in TV and film. So imagine that being the magic consultant in movies. Knowing that, that Jonathan cool? is the biggest nerd magician in our family, that would have been his dream job to hang out on a set and teach celebrities how to do magic tricks. We first saw David at a show in New York, The Enigmatist, and it was amazing. News. 
It's, it's amazing. It's coming to LA. Yes. And we will see it again. If you like magic, if you're not into magic, I think you'll actually still like this because David's big thing is he is not one of these magicians who tries to fool you into thinking he's actually supernatural. He wants you to figure out his tricks and he uses a lot of mathematics in his tricks as well. It's pretty cool. It's unique. A math magician. He's a math magician. But also, wait, what's the word for like a, a word magician? Awesome. <laughs> we were at the Magic Castle and we were going around to a bunch of different performances. We were taking our nieces and nephews and there was one kid in the audience. His name rhymes with Meliot. And he kept trying to call out the trick and ruin it for the magician. He was trying to be like the funny one on stage. I'm like, okay, kid, stop. Nobody wants to listen to you. We want to hear the magician. I thought it was funny though, because I mean, it's, it's, I feel bad for the magicians. However, it's just like a curveball, you know, like I, I like seeing how the magicians handled it. handle that. And all of them did so they know, did. seamlessly, but were you that kid? Because I feel no. like you'd be like a know-it-all, like I know how that's done. I... I think I would have been that kid if our parents didn't discipline us to respect others. So if somebody's doing a performance, I always remember thinking, because I've performed ever since I was a kid, theater and whatnot, I always hated it when somebody was trying to steal my spotlight. So I was actually really good. And also being young magicians, clowns and magicians, we knew as well how to respect other magicians when they were performing and not try and ruin their trick. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we just get right into this (laughs) magical conversation. This is David Kwong. Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices, like my lights, my locks. (laughs) My security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not (laughs) mine. Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. I did uh, come up with a little game for us to play maybe at the end of this. We well, knew it. we may also <laughs> have a little something for you to, oh, to puzzle, to, to solve, to decode. <laughs> Okay. We, uh, I mean, first off, for anybody listening, we um, love David and everything he does. I love magic. I've been around magic since I was a kid. And so we first met years ago um, when we actually went and saw the Enigmatist in New York. And we're and now excited. it's coming to LA, by the way, everyone. Yeah, we're going to put the link uh, for everyone. It'll be at the Geffen Theater, but it's worth going to see. It's amazing. And even the trailer has hidden messaging that you need to solve if you watch the trailer. David, I'm going to tell you this. Linda's sister, Hannah, who's our producer, she's off camera right now. She, I think, spent all night. She stayed up like all night trying to solve your trailer. Uh, she's like, it's bugging me. And she thinks she got it. Oh, great. I got part of it. And then Hannah sends us a picture, like this like, like mind map of her trying to solve every little frame. Like, what does this mean? <laughs> there, there may be something in our frame for you to solve. Wonderful. Well, okay. So thank you so much for mentioning the Enigmatist. It, it's um, it's my show that 
um, combines all of my loves, which are magic and illusion and puzzles and history. And um, for those of you that don't know my crazy career, I write a lot of crossword puzzles for the New York Times. I design puzzle hunts. I've managed to somehow combine all of these crazy things into one career. And I ran it in 2019 in New York. It was a fabulous run. Uh, I had to hit pause in 2020. And here we are doing it finally at the Geffen Playhouse in Los Angeles. Uh, September 14th is when it starts. And um, by the way, vaccinations are mandatory. Masks are mandatory. We're being very safe about the whole thing. There are cocktail tables that you can sit at that are separated. Everything is just, it's, it's, uh, we're taking all the right uh, precautions. You know, it's, um, we've seen multiple of your shows even during the pandemic we actually did your virtual show which was a lot of fun wait inside the box yes inside the box uh was the geffen playhouse and i we pivoted and went virtual and it was a wonderful show it was it was we really embraced the format of zoom which i'm very proud of in fact the the best compliment i got was from a fellow magician who said what he loved most about inside the box is that we never pretended that we weren't on a Zoom call because there are a lot of shows that were trying to be dramatic and moody and and have you know noir mysteries over Zoom and that it's hard to pull that off and hmm. and we just ran right at it and we said there are twenty five of us right now on Zoom we're all in boxes we're all inside the box and it was uh, it was very much like a game show it was puzzles for people to yeah. wave their hands and answer and I would call yeah. on them. And, and this it, is, was, it th- was the most fun we've it, ever had on Zoom. It was. It was the most fun. <laughs> and also, to be honest, I, it, I did not expect it to be as sort of, this is no slight to you or the Geffen Theater. I didn't think it would be as professional. Like I thought it would just be like, oh, I want to do some magic tricks and I ha- I happen to be on Zoom instead of in person. But it wasn't. The The production quality was really great, but it was it was... It was mind blowing. I just, I, it was absolutely amazing, and we really enjoyed it and being interactive ourselves with mm-hmm. uh, with the uh, tricks too. But that's why anyone. So get to the enigmatist as well. It is mind blowing. Your background has some similarities to my background because I was introduced to magic at a young age as well. But I haven't heard your full story. Can you tell us? You know, when you were young, what really got you into the magic and crossword puzzle groove? What was young David like? <laughs> Oh goodness! I've been I've been playing with toys my whole life. I think um, I think every little kid has a magic phase, and I have magic kits. I had the Klutz book of magic. I had at a very young age, but what really solidified my interest was my family and I went to pick pumpkins at a farm in uh, bucolic upstate New York. I'm from Rochester, New York, and there was a magician performing at the barn, and he did a trick that is still considered by many magicians to be one of the strongest tricks in magic. It's a simple kid's trick, but it's it's truly effective. And that is the little sponge ball trick. So the magician took a little red sponge ball and he placed it in my hand and he, he took a second sponge ball and he made it disappear. And when I opened my hand, I suddenly had two sponge balls. I had them both, mind blown. <laughs> but what happened next changed my life forever. And he asked my father to participate in the trick. Now, my father is a biochemist. He 
is this omniscient figure who knows how the world works. <laughs> and the magician put a little red sponge ball in his hand. He made a second one disappear. My father opened his hand. He had two. And I turned to this all-knowing character and I said, how did that work? And he flashed me this sheepish grin and shrugged his shoulders and said, I have no idea. And that is when I knew I wanted to be a magician. Amazing. I'm wow. sure there's something very Freudian in there. <laughs> um, but that, that really hit it home for me. So... Uh, I started reading books and practicing and learning sleight of hand in my teenage years. And at the same time, so I always say that I had like math and verbal mm. in my house. So mm -hmm. we had the scientist and we had the humanities person and my mother, the history professor would play Scrabble with me and we would, we would solve the New York Times crossword together. And I, I had these two parallel interests, magic and puzzles. And it actually wasn't until later in life that I realized that I could fuse them together and cross-pollinate them and create a new type of performance, a new type of magic show in which I say, all magic tricks are puzzles. See if you can figure them out. And I think at the, at the heart of that is this thesis that I don't pretend to have any magic powers. I don't pretend to be able to read minds or, or levitate. Uh, or if I do, I am telling the audience, it's all a trick. See if you can figure it out. And by the way, I love that because in reading your book, Spellbound, um, that was something that jumped out to me because there are a lot of illusionists or magicians who want to try and make you believe that they have supernatural powers. But you actually bring that query forward to say, no, it's a trick, but you need to figure it out. I love that that approach really brings the audience along with you mm -hmm. so that they can be a part of it themselves and maybe figure it out. In their own lives. Yeah, and I and by the way, most magicians pretend to superpowers, and and that's fine. Uh, this is just my approach, yeah. and I do think I think you're right, Lynn. I think it, it it creates more audience interaction. Yeah. And and another, I know we're really getting granular here into the theory of what makes a good magic show, but but someone once asked me, "Do you have to root for the magician or against the magician?" Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of magicians especially the daredevil ones who are walking across the alligator pit, you know, as an audience member, you're kind of hoping they fall into the alligator pit. You what know? kind of sick person are you? <laughs> no, but you're, you're hoping for this, you know, hair raising moment, right? Uh, whereas I think that I get the audience on my side early in the show and the Enigmatist and other shows that I do are all about feats of mental gymnastics. And I'm juggling all these uh, numbers and letters and words in my head. And there's maybe a timer running. And the audience is, I hope, uh, rooting for me to be able to solve the problem in the allotted amount of time. Your style of magic really makes me think about this is that, and your book makes me think about this too, is that the you have your seven principles of illusion uh, that you talk about, but in reality, it really relates to real life. How a lot of people live their lives. How some people try and pull the wool over your eyes. People basically in real life pull uh, tricks or illusions or parlor tricks uh, on you. And can you talk a little bit about how it's to me? It feels like what you've continued to study and learn. It has turned you into a bit of a master of reading people, communicating with people. Geez, where do I start? Um, the, I think the, the fundamental, uh, the biggest of all magic principles is something that I call mind the gap, which is that there is 
a gap between what we see and what we believe and what we assume. And magicians, we play around in that gap and we create correlations for mm-hmm. you. So if we show you A and C, we're putting in that B for you to assume. Misdirection is a, is a big principle of magic, making audiences look where we want you to look. Yeah. Uh, we see that in all over the place um, with politicians creating a, a bunch of noise over here or having a disruptive tweet, perhaps, to <laughs> distract you from, mm-hmm. from what else is going on in the world. And then one of my favorite principles, this is something that, that everybody can really think about how they can use in their, in their own lives, is the notion of outs. And outs are backup plans. Outs are different ways that a magic trick can go. So that's a big, let me first say that that's a big thing that magicians do is we never tell you what the end of the trick is going to be, right? We never say, uh, you are going to sign this card Mm. and it's going to end up here in this Mm. particular place. Uh, We say, you're going to sign this card and it's going to end up somewhere, somewhere Mm. impossible. And then based on what happens we can pivot accordingly. Now, we might hope, we always have the most impossible version of something, the craziest version of something. We'll take a chance on that, and if it doesn't work, we'll pivot to something else, mm. right? Mm. So let me, let me give you a, a simple example of that. I might put a single playing card down on the table, and I'll say, uh, I, actually, let me get a deck of cards. <laughs> uh, I knew it. Every magician has a deck of cards close at hand. Oh, I have like I have like seven cards over here. Where are mine? Oh, I left mine downstairs. This deck of cards here, first of all, I, I designed this deck of cards. This is themed on Riverbank, which is the location where the Enigmatist takes place. It's a fantastical estate outside of Chicago, the birthplace of code breaking. So, but this is a normal deck of cards. I'm showing it to the camera here, all the different cards. And, and, and this, is rather, this is just a simple exercise. I'm kind of explaining what magicians do here, which is that we, we take risks. I might take a single playing card, and this is kind of hard. I'm going to put this in my pocket here. It's in my pocket in plain view mm-hmm. in front of the camera so you can all see it. Mm-hmm. And I might say, uh, Linda, just name any card, name your, name your, name your favorite card. Three of clubs. And why and why is that your favorite card? I just made that up. <laughs> it's uh, fine. That's uh, no no, that's great. I'm glad you said that because I, I made a prediction before. I made a prediction. I put a single card in my pocket here. I was trying to analyze what you might choose, and you can see it's the three of hearts. Pretty close, pretty close. Super Not close. bad, right? Not bad. But then I use an out because I got it wrong. Then I use an out to change it. To the what? You see that? Oh so my gosh. <laughs> to break that down for you, I took a risk. I tried to guess what her card might be. I put a single card, genuinely a single card in my pocket. The, um, the background here is that I do this trick 52 times a week. So I get it right at least once a week, you know? <laughs> so it's, we take those risks and when they pay off, if you were to have actually said the three of hearts, it, it would have been mind blowing and we keep going, Yeah. right? Mm. But since I got it wrong, then I need to pivot yeah. and I need to quickly and surreptitiously 
change that three of clubs into the three of hearts. And, and that's a new trick, right? I've magically changed mm. one card into another. So yeah. the best backup plans not only set you on the right track again, but they still have a mind-blowing effect. I, I so, also, with your principles too, the way you said de- design free choice, in a way, I like this because you have that backup plan, which you know you're going to get the result you need one way or another. One might be even more mind-blowing than the other, but at the end of the day, we think we made the decision. We made the choice to put that card in your pocket or whatever it is, or we made the decision of what num- what, what card you're picking, but in the end, you blew our mind. So it almost makes us believe that everything you have done is just, it, it was, you weren't tricking us well, in a way, even though you tell us you are. That's right. I, I, gave, I gave you a free choice to name any card you wanted. That was genuinely a free choice. And because I've laid out that the proceedings are fair in that moment, I mean, this is a very deep psychological principle, but you assume that the whole trick is fair, right? Yeah. Because I've, I've given you that uh, moment yeah. of, of truthfulness. I love this example of, of real life, of, of a way to apply outs, to um, think about going in for a job interview and you have your resume, but you have a portfolio that has three different versions of your resume in it. And based on how the conversation goes with mm. the interviewer, that's the one you pull out and show them. Or maybe it's over Zoom and you have three different versions of a marketing presentation. And based on how it goes with the person on the other side, that's what you show them. And I think that is being over-prepared like that is a mm. bedrock principle of, of magicians. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just open to, to possibilities. Here's, a, here's another principle that I think we see in the world all the time, and some of you may do this already if you're savvy. The one-hand principle in magic is basically this. The magician pretends that something is done already and then catches up later to ensure that it actually happens. So there's a great example of one ahead in real life. It involves the birth of Virgin Airlines. So Richard Branson famously talks about how he created the airline. Now he says this was before he was mega rich, right? So he was still being scrappy and he was flying to the Virgin Islands on on a commercial flight that was canceled for whatever reason. So what he did was he chartered a plane called it Virgin Airlines, I believe. He chartered a plane and then he went around the airport with a sign that said Virgin Airlines and collected ticket money to then pay for that plane. Mm. So it's catching up to something that you are taking a risk on, right? In my own life, it's like this. There was actually a real milestone in my career was the New York Times covering my crossword puzzle magic trick, which is, I do this at the end of my show. It's my... My, my, uh, my big finish is I, I create a crossword puzzle on a board in yeah. real time. I teach you all how a crossword is made. I do it as quickly as possible. But the New York Times heard about this, right? And they wanted to write a, a piece on it. And, and I thought, you know what would be even better? Can you film this? I think it would be a great video piece. And I told the reporter... I'm doing a show next week in someone's living room. If you want to send a videographer, you can capture it for the piece. And they said, that sounds like a great idea. And then I called up every single person I knew to try to find a living room where I could do uh, the magic show. And that's amazing. I said, the New York Times wants to cover this. So, of course, people agreed. So that's getting ahead. 
and then catching up. So you take risks that you know you can complete, that you can mm. uh, yeah. satisfy. Yeah, no, I, I think that's awesome. And I, I think that's a great principle for anyone in life. If you want to make things happen for you, you got to take a little bit of risk. But doing risk in a smart way, not, not, it's not gambling because you don't want to set yourself up for what could be a failure that could cripple you. Um, you want to be able to, to pay that off in the end. So good job on the hustle. <laughs> uh, who is it you were talking about in the book about how you could simply like turn a magic trick into like a, a point of you know, human connection using story? That's another one of the principles. I call it write the script. It's, it's controlling the narrative and it's giving a story arc to magic tricks. I think they are more engaging when your audience is following along uh, a story, a story that has a beginning and a middle and an end, and they become more emotionally invested when you can make it a, a personal narrative. When somebody just performs a trick, okay, it could be good. But when somebody creates that narrative around it, and there's a story that sucks you in, and a personal story that can suck you in, it is another whole level of the illusion. And I, I find that that's why you know your show is amazing. David Copperfield is a master of creating the story. Jonathan, when he performed, he was a master of creating that story. And it's another part, a little bit of that story, it sucks you in, but it also is a bit of that misdirection because you get really hooked into certain emotional beats of a story and then that can sort of distract you from what's happening. Well, I don't even think that's misdirection. I think that is like finding like, you know, at at our core as humans, there are universal things that tie us together and they've tapped into that through whatever, you know, it doesn't matter what trick, what tricks they're doing. There's a story that weaves through it that like, touches us Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't matter if the card ends up on the outside of the the building window or like in someone's coat pocket um yeah like i i think those are the the shows that stay with me like Mm -hmm. i I don't remember which one it was but i remember crying at a magic show i'm like what am i doing (laughs) (laughs) it was when when copperfield had the dinosaur come on stage (laughs) he cried right copperfield was really a master of that um when he did his in the 80s and early 90s he would he would take a a simple card trick plot and he would turn it into something emotional and personal and he would say my grandfather taught me this trick and he would show on a big screen uh photos of him with his grandfather and that his grandfather uh wasn't around anymore but he's going to do it anyway and he does this beautiful card trick finding the four aces and he looks up at his grandfather and everybody in the audience cries and it's amazing and he was just such a master of that. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. (laughs) Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. So... Give us your example of how you use story and narrative to suck your audience in. Well, The Enigmatist, which is the the show I'm about to do in L.A., has a beautiful love story that surrounds all of the magic tricks. It's interwoven through all the magic tricks. And it is about William and Elizabeth Friedman, who are these two code breakers. And I call it a nerd love story. Hmm. Um, And my favorite moments in the show is when I say that 
It was nerd love at first sight. <laughs> and I see a couple of people in the audience who are on a date and they just kind of look at each other. And it's just my favorite thing. Yeah. That's amazing. Your journey from when you were younger, you saw that magic trick at the pumpkin patch, and then you started to play a little bit with magic. So from there, where where did you continue to grow? I know somebody that I had met who I thought was an amazing, uh, inspiring person, Will Shorts. You also had an interaction with him that sort of propelled you to the next level of what you do. Will Shorts is the longtime editor of the New York Times Crossword. He is the guru of all things puzzles and games. And I saw him when I was 16 speaking at a library in Cape Cod. My mother took me there. And he played games with the audience, the kind of games that we're about to play. And, uh, and I raised my hand and I got a couple of things right. And afterward, I, I uh, brought a puzzle book up to him that he had edited and he signed it to a puzzle champ. And it truly changed my life forever. And he's become a close friend and a mentor. And I submit crossword puzzles to the times that um, he edits and um, and I, I hope people really enjoy. Sometimes they hate them, but that's how it goes. <laughs> but, but here's the thing about my career. I, I always say that I never ran away with the circus. I did not uh, go off to be a magician immediately. I actually, I finished college and I went into professional corporate jobs. And this was not just because of the pressure of my parents, which was not too much, but just, you know, they wanted their son to be successful. But my own internal pressure to do something respectable, I guess. I was I was worried about being relegated to just a birthday party magician. Mm-hmm. So I never thought there was like a respectable career path in that. So I went into corporate entertainment and media, which um, I've always wanted to be in that milieu anyway. So I worked at HBO. I worked uh, for a production company here in Los Angeles. I was working at DreamWorks Animation, which is really a boot camp in storytelling. And I started to make Hollywood connections and I was performing in the evenings. I started doing magic shows around town, inviting producers and agents and actors and directors to come see the show. And what happened is The movie Now You See Me, which is a bank heist movie with magicians, which Mm -hmm. I hope many of you have seen, Mm -hmm. they needed a magician to consult on the magic. And uh, I very quickly raised my hand and I worked with the screenwriters and the director to mold and shape that story. And when uh, when we got the green light to go into production, I quit DreamWorks Animation to move to New Orleans to be on set every day. Yeah. And that was really the the push out of the nest for me. I, I, I took a leap and I never went back to a desk job. I uh, The movie did quite well. If you've never seen it, it's so fun. It's a great popcorn family movie. It's amazing. It's amazing, yeah. Yeah, and I just kept going with, with the magic career. And it, it was about the same time that the light bulb turned on that I should synthesize puzzles into magic. So I was really just coming into my own at that point Mm. and figuring out how to make myself different from every other magician. I have one question for you before we get into you showing us a little something, because I know you're excited to show us a little magic. But when you're not thinking about puzzles and you're not thinking about magic, what is your life? Like, what's what's important to you? What are your hobbies? I'm always doing puzzles and games. I... I, uh, I mean, this laptop right now is propped up on on two um, t- 
two settlers of Catan boxes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and if you look over it, yeah, like, yeah, there, there we go. Space, oh, space, Catan. Yeah. Uh, nice. That's uh, Decrypto. You ever played Decrypto? It's a wonderful word game. I love Ooh. words. I love puzzles. Honestly, in my spare time, I, uh, I'm solving books of puzzles with my friends. I'm really fortunate that I've made hobbies my life. Yeah. It's so, pretty amazing. Well, by the way, for anybody listening, uh, if you've never tried Star Battle, so David introduced Linda and me to Star Battle and I got obsessed. Yes. And then we got to the point <laughs> where David would be stuck on one and he'd, and he'd message True. me and I'm like, oh, here's an answer. <laughs> you don't know how you happy are, that made Drew. Amazing at now. <laughs> oh my God. I, uh, but I, I'm a, I was always a math brain and a, a, a math nerd and a puzzle solver. I always, like our teachers would give me puzzles to solve just because they saw how much Jonathan and me both would get into yeah. it. So that's I'm, we're with you. If you want to test new games with us or or something, or the one you mentioned behind you, well, let's get to your puzzle. Yes, I got a little. It's 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 a little game for you guys. Um, okay. And I thought that I uh, would 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 quiz you a little bit. This puzzle is themed on at home. It's the letters A T H O M E. And what I've done is I've found some categories where the members of those categories. Start with those letters, right? So if I were to say birds, for example, for the letter A, you might say albatross. For T, turkey. <laughs> H might be heron. Is o, owl. A bird? M, yes. Uh, uh, mina, I think is a bird. M-Y-N-A-H. Mockingbird. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, mockingbird is much better. Thank you so much. <laughs> and uh, eagle, right? So that's how this is going to work. Okay. So here we go. At home... For countries in the world. And you can go in any order, right? If you get the M first, go for the M. If you get, you know. All right. Okay. Don't be so nervous. Okay. This should be fun. I know, my, right. my palms get sweaty. Oh, and, and audience at home, hit pause if you want to do this yourself. Um, All right. Okay. Algeria. T. Turkey. Hungary. Uh, there's, there's only one O. Oman? Yes, Linda! Whoa. Oh my gosh. I would not have got that. Uh, oh my gosh. M or an E? Um, Madagascar. Great. And then there are three E's. I think there are three of them. Eritrea. Very good. Eritrea. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Nice. What are you coming yeah. up with all these crazy? I didn't even know that. That's crazy. That yeah, I thought you might. You, you know, hit a, a cool layup, Egypt, but you went oh, for uh, yeah. Eritrea. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Well done. All right. That was the, how about this one? Elements in the periodic table. Oh, great. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. um, anthium. What? Is that? Uh, anthium. I don't think that's is an that... element. I just thought I'd say what was on the top of my brain. <laughs> it sounded like one. You could have fooled yeah, most people with that. Sounds like something uh, in Marvel. Aluminum. Okay. Aluminum. Very good. How about a, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to nudge. Okay. You okay. 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 <laughs> How about a simple, how about a, how about a, it's a three-letter word, a metal, cans are made out of it. Tin. Tin. Tin, Tin oh. very good. That's nice. Hydrogen. Um, hydrogen, great. Uh, M, magnesium. Yeah. Very good. And E. Did I? Did you say the O already? Oh, uh, oxygen. oxygen. Oxygen, very good. Magnesium and you then- could have said Oganesian, which is one of the new ones, but oh, Wait. oh it's a new I didn't know they were new. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh wow. You also could have done Tennessean for the state of Tennessee, uh, for the T. 
Oh. Wait. All right, we get, it. we get an E. There are uh, just a few E's. E, e F. Ear. Wait, period. E-R. I was thinking ethanol. <laughs> How about uh, there's one named after a continent. There's also one named after a famous scientist. Einstein? Relativity. Einstein? Wait, what? Oh, e Yeah. Einsteinium. Really? Is actually done, Drew. Way to go. Really? <laughs> sure, I'll take it. Yeah, Einsteinium. Wait, see if you can, can you figure out the continent one? Europe? It's not European. Yeah. Europe? Europe? Yeah. Europe? Europe? I'm, I'm just going to add a. European. European. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Let's see. I actually. I've never heard yesterday, of Yesterday, I literally thought, I'm like, I just for funsies want to memorize <laughs> the periodic table. And so I've been working oh, on. All you have to do is, is memorize the song. There's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and uranium. Nickel neodymium, I could do the whole thing, but I won't. What? Um, Come on. <laughs> That's, all right, Actually, I'll memorize that got, song. Got, I don't think the new ones are added into that yet, so I'll have to. Wow. Supplement. That's amazing. Tom Lair. That's, that's Tom Lair's classic elements. All right. I will go to Tom Lair for my memorization. That was like super wacko vibes. No, yeah. yeah wacko. Yes, yeah. yeah. Animaniacs did it with what, countries it, of the world. Or countries, yeah. yeah. Countries, yeah. Yeah. Right, I got one more at home puzzle for you. All right. President of the United States of America. No. We're Canadians. You can't do that to me. Uh, can I just say no? I think you can figure it out. <laughs> All right. I can't. So I got Abraham. <laughs> so. No, that's a first name. Oh, do I have to do last names? Oh. Yeah. This this is terrible. This is going to make us look like This is idiots. hard for you. Okay. Um, what about um, the second president of the United States was John. Adams. Um, Adams. Yes, yeah, John Adams, very nice. Okay, yeah. well, uh, the T, there was a... <laughs> I like first names, the Theodore. First names are easier Okay, we can go that. Theodore Roosevelt, really? very nice. Right. What else you got? Uh, now, what's Ho the first Hoover. name that starts with H? Hoover? Yes, Hoover, very good. Uh, okay, the O, there's only one O. Obama. Obama, very nice. Okay, can you come up with an M, first name or last name? Uh, let's see. Our nieces and nephews would probably get this yeah, faster Yeah, they would know this 100%. Hmm. This is painful. Um, There's a, a, a mountain named after one of them, Mount... Washington? He was assassinated. <laughs> Mount... Well, Washington's very... Yeah, Mount yeah. McKinley. You have okay. uh, yeah. James McKinley. Monroe. You might remember oh, that Oh, okay. Name. I should have got Monroe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And, and then Madison. E is... Don't yeah, there's only one E. But actually, I know this is a more obvious one. 1950s. Wait, how do you spell Eisenhower? <laughs> yes, yeah, look at that. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Oh, Canada. There oh, we go. Canada. I'm so impressed. All right, now we'll challenge you at home. Tell oh, us all goodness. the prime ministers. <laughs> Trudeau and Trudeau. <laughs> yeah. So we have a little um, puzzle for you to solve, a word to figure out based on what you see. Okay, I might need a little help um, in defining what I'm seeing. I'm seeing hands. Yep. Um, so I'm thinking an H, perhaps. Yes. yes. Yep. Okay. I'm not quite sure what's on that. Um, what's what's ornamenting that um, orange vase there? Is that a ram? Is that a gold ram? How did you just describe it? Oh, this one. But before you said gold. ram. No. How did you describe the, the what the what it is? Object. A vase or a vase. But you described it differently. What else did you describe? Orange. Yeah. Orange. Oh, 
Okay. Okay. I like I like where this is going. Oh, the uh, is that a oh that's a horse? Yeah. It's a, is it a is it a mare? Ah. Good call. Good call. Yes. But in in Chinese, it's called a must. Is it a is it a Mustang? Uh, oh, two, also two good works. ones. But in Chinese, it's called. Is it Ma? Yes. Yeah. And those books kind of look like the letter E. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I made so much fun of Linda. Linda and Hannah are like, oh, we'll make this book and it'll look like E's. I'm like, he'll never get that. It's a stack of books. <laughs> you did get it. So That's what's a- the hit the secret word is? <laughs> <laughs> well done. Homie. Is it homie? Yeah, yeah. Wait, hold on. Linda, make a Y at the end. Oh yeah, here. There you go, homie. Here, <laughs> well oh. done, well done. We we figured it was it was very rudimentary, but uh, good job. We do have a speed round though. We want to put you through. This is how we like to end all of our episodes. Uh, so re- if you're ready, I'm ready. What meal makes you feel at home, and who cooked it? Oh, my father's beef and broccoli is that is my my desert island meal. Mm. I would I would eat that every day if I were stranded on a desert island. Um, You've all had beef and broccoli, but my, my father, it's his home cooked version and it's, um, and he taught me how to make it. So there's a lot of, um, personal connection there, but I can't do it as well as he can. I've had them individually, but not together. Uh, you're the first person on the planet who has ever said broccoli is their alone on a desert island meal. <laughs> well, we'll have to have a dinner party then. I will make beef and broccoli for you. Yes. Done. Do it. Oh yeah. What, what smell reminds you of home? Well, I'm going to reference the other side of my family. Again, another food thing, which I'm sure is common. My mother, which is the Jewish side of my family, she, when she cooks potato lakis during Hanukkah, that that smell, that the fried mm. potatoes just fills the house. Mm. Uh, it, it doesn't leave for a week, <laughs> but that uh, certainly reminds me of, of mm. home. So that's my family right there. And my father would make this very special Chinese sauce, this concoction that we would put on the potato lockies. So mm. my family's this wonderful blend. Just like magic and puzzles. <laughs> there you go. Honestly, it's so much influence so from your beautiful. parents. Linda's sister, for the record, just made us a delicious fish soup using a family recipe for a fishy, saucy soup. And it spilled in the trunk of my car when leaving the Magic Castle. And that was a few days ago, and, and now we can't, we can't get, get the fish, the, the awful fish smell out of it's my like car. It's like a lingering spirit. Yeah. What's your most vivid memory of home? It's hard to pinpoint uh, a single memory. They've been such a, a fixture throughout my whole life. So I'll, I'll, I'll say this. The solving puzzles and playing Scrabble with my mother at a young age is something so meaningful and formative and we still solve puzzles together every day and that is the the beauty of of zoom and sometimes uh, we do it over the phone i don't know if any of you guys solve the new york times spelling bee puzzle which is edited by my friend sam mazursky millions of people are doing this thing now check it out it is so fun basically you get seven letters and you try to make as many words as possible out of those seven letters. Anagrams. There are different levels. If you get, you know, 10 words, you get, you know, good job. If you get 20 words, it's like amazing. There's different levels and you can get all the way, you can get genius. And my mother and I get on the phone every day 
and we don't quit until we get to genius. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. That's been a wonderful way to stay connected. Amazing. We're going to do that after this. We will do that. Yeah. Name three things on your bedside table. There are single playing cards that I use as coasters for uh, mugs and, and, and cups of water. So it's, <laughs> that's, playing cards get used for bookmarks. Um, they, they get put under chair legs. They're, there's playing cards <laughs> everywhere. There is a huge humidifier because Los Angeles is so dry. There's a, a book of cryptic crossword puzzles and a, and a pencil. Nice. Those are hard. Can't solve those in pen. Those are tough. Mm. Well, I think that we're going to have to post a link for the Geffen Theater for your Enigmatist show because that is worth everyone, everyone checking needs out. To see it. it will be live in LA starting September 14th. 14th. So That's right. Yeah, it'll run through November 1st. And then I believe if everybody behaves themselves, it will extend to the end of the year. Thanks for taking the time to, to chat with us. And I think this coming week, we have two things we'll be doing a pizza party and uh, crosswords. It'll be a pizza puzzle party. Ooh. It'll be a pizza puzzle party with beef and broccoli, potato lockies, fish soup. No, 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 no. The fish soup no, is no never, soup. never again in my presence ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. We'll Thank let you, you go. So much, Thanks so David. much for joining us. That was a lot of fun. All right. See you soon. See you soon. Bye. See you soon. Bye. And a huge thank you to our homies, Brandon Angelino, Annalie Bell, Hannah Fan, Courtney Iwanis, West Friend, Chris Cobain, Jessica Bryant Harvey, and Nicole Schachter. Our theme music for At Home is by Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson. And music is composed and produced by Rick Russo. Thank you so much for listening. And if you do enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate us. Always rate us. We love you rating and commenting. Yeah, we actually like your feedback. And to you, thank you. Thank you, love you. Love you. Dun, 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 dun. ADT <laughs> now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT is awesome and believes that the smarter the home, the safer the security. I can't wait to see what they do next. They're going to put Google Nest doorbells on the moon. <laughs> da, da. Actually, I'd like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with our Google Nest doorbell. I do love how when we're out at dinner, we can see exactly what's going on at the front door. And we can control our ADT smart devices like... Lights, locks, the security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. Mm-hmm. All you have to say is, hey, Google, to get started. Well, I think it's great for people to help protect what matters most with all of this. Plus, 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Hey, Google. <laughs>